welcome again to Wildwood Christian Church. <clears throat> My name is Doug Vernon. Um, I'm the senior minister here, and I'm so thankful to have every single one of you with us today. Those of you who are online, we appreciate you joining us and being a part of our service in this time to honor God together today. I uh, just love that time of worship, and I appreciate your opening your heart up to God and letting Him work on your life. As Phil mentioned, um, you can text the word welcome. If you're new, if you're a first-time guest, uh, to the number 636-206-8654. It's also on the back of the seat, those of you um, sitting in a seat there that has a seat in front of you. Um, we just want to be able to connect with you and be able to let you know more about our church family. So every single morning when I get up, I have this wrestling match. I mean, this is like every single morning, and it's a wrestling match between the agenda of Doug and the agenda of Jesus. I mean, every single morning this happens to me. I wake up and I think to myself, you know, I'd like to sleep another 30 minutes. And this voice in my head of Jesus says, you know, I'd really like to have a talk with you this morning. Or I'm driving down the road and somebody pulls in front of me. They cuts me off and in my mind, I want to tell them a couple of things. And then I also have this voice in my head that says, Doug, you know what? It's okay to let other people go first. Or somebody says something to me that I feel is very disrespectful, and it's like, you know what, I need to demand my rights here, and this voice of Jesus in my mind is saying things like, you know what, Jesus, Doug, you need to humble yourself. Or I want to buy a brand new stereo system, right, that's on my agenda, and Jesus seems to say things to me like, you know, you, you need to take what I've blessed you with and use that to help those who are less fortunate, it's this wrestling match every single day, a lot of time during the day, in which it's the agenda of Doug on this side, it's the agenda of Jesus on this side. And the days in which the agenda of Doug wins out, they don't end up being wonderful days. I think they should be, but they're not. And I think some of you understand what I'm talking about, this wrestling match that we have between what we want and desire and what Jesus wants and desires. You know, our needs, our desires, our rights, our money, our homes, our time, our entertainment, our pleasure, our enjoyment. I mean, it's one of those kind of things. It's almost inbred into us, right? At least in the United States of America, that it's all about what we want, our needs, and our desires. And Jesus understands that. I think he knows. In fact, he understands this world that you and I live in, that it's a world in which it, it just kind of sucks us into this idea of putting me first. From the time you and I, you know, can listen to music or watch TV, we, we are inundated with messages that are all about putting ourselves first. And if you want to be happy and if you want to have enjoyment in life, it, it's like it sucks us into this vortex and yet here is Jesus who comes along, and he says these things that are just like so counter to what we so often hear in the world around us. And Jesus says, basically, if you, if you want to be somebody who follows me, if you want to have real life, then you've got to be all in. And so today we're beginning a real short series of messages just simply entitled, All In a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Now, we, as we've been 
reading through the Gospel of Luke this year and studying it, one of the things that we tend to come across is passages that talk about, uh, uses phrases like, you know, to follow Jesus or to come after Jesus or to be a disciple of Jesus. And those are all words and phrases that we see different times through scriptures. And if you look at those words and phrases, one of the things you get in your mind is that Jesus has a kind of high bar up here. Jesus expects a lot from us. I mean, Jesus really wants us to, to go all out here. We read passages of scripture like this from Luke chapter 14 and verse 33. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything cannot be my disciple. I mean, that's kind of a high bar, don't you think? Give up everything or you can't be my disciple? Or here's Luke 9.62. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Or how about the one that we're going to look at today in Luke 9.23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So if, as you hear those verses or other verses, as you're reading through you know, the Gospels, not just Luke, but any of them, and you read the words of Jesus and you start getting this idea that Jesus expects a lot out of us. That's, that's just way over the top, it seems like, Jesus. If you think that about Jesus' expectation of you, you're exactly right. Because as we're going to learn here, Jesus is about all or he's about nothing. And he wants to, to know, are we all in? And so we're going to talk about in this series from three different passages of Luke, um, try to help us have a better understanding of what is it to be a disciple. And so here's where we're going today. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, then you have to take your agenda, right, and you need to throw it in the trash. So every single day, you and I get up, right, and we have this, our agenda, what we want. We write those kind of things down, and if you and I want to be a disciple of Jesus, what we're going to learn in our passage today is this. We take it, and we wad up our agenda, and we throw it in the trash can. So I want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 9. That's the passage that we're going to be at here today, Luke chapter 9. Those of you online, I encourage you to get your Bibles out. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you or underneath you there. There's some over here. You can use your phone, your tablet. We'll have it up on the screen. But Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 22 through 26, and we're going to just see what Jesus wants us to know about being a disciple. So here's how he begins. And he said to them, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will really win, but whoever loses their life for me, they're going to really lose. No, it didn't say that, right? No, okay. Um, just seeing if you're listening there, right? Whoever wants to save their life will what? Lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. Let me pray for us. Lord, as we encounter um, the truth and teaching of your word and the challenge that you present to us, uh, we just invite you, Lord, to, to teach us, to mold us, Lord, to just speak into our hearts and our lives this day. And it's in your most precious name we pray, amen. So this is a passage in which Jesus helps us to understand what is it to be a disciple, right? I mean, that's why he says there in verse 23, whoever wants to be a disciple. Now, your translation may have a different word than disciple. Yours may say, come after me, or yours may say, follow me. It's this idea, all of those phrases describe um, what it was to be a disciple in Jesus' day. And so here's the context of the kind of idea that we're talking about. To be a disciple meant you had a teacher or a rabbi, and you would go after them. You would follow them. You would be a learner from them. But it was more than just following after somebody, you know, doing some learning. It was... I am setting aside everything else, and I am now going after this person. I'm going to spend all my time with them. I'm going to learn everything about, about them that I can. What's going to happen to me is I'm going to become as much like them as I possibly can become. And so Jesus knew that, that the people he was talking about. And so he says, okay, you want to do that. You want to be one of my followers. You want to be a disciple. Then here is what I expect out of you. And he says that in verse 23. You need to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So those are three commands. So what are they again? You need to... We'll try that again. I know you weren't ready for that. Number one, we need to do what? Deny ourselves. Number two, we need to take up our cross daily. And what's the last one? We need to follow me, follow Jesus. Three commands. Now, before we kind of dig into those, we need to understand what's going on, what's just happened here, all right? So Jesus has just had a conversation with some of his closest followers, disciples, and we know them as the apostles, but he's asked them a question, who do people say that I am? Now, he's not really all that interested in what other people say, because he turns to the second question, and he says, who do you say that I am. He's looking right at these guys who spending a lot of time with him. Who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter speaks up, at least in Luke's translation, he says, you are God's Messiah. Now, Peter was a Jew. He understood what that meant. God's Messiah means you are the one, Jesus, that God has promised for hundreds and hundreds of years that through the nation of Israel, this one would come, the Messiah or the Christ. He would come and he be, would be the Savior of the world. He would be the one who would save us. You are the one. And then after Peter says that, here's the words of Jesus, verse 22. The Son of Man, he's talking about himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. And I kind of think Peter's going, wait, wait, wait a minute, you know, I just gave you the right answer, right? I mean, I just told you what you wanted to know, and now you're telling us you're going to die? In fact, in one of the other um, gospel writers, Peter says, oh no, this is not going to happen. And Jesus rebukes him because he says, you got in mind the things of man, 
not the things of God. Apparently, Peter had the same wrestling match that I have. And so, it's like, here's the right answer, and now you're saying you're going to die? Now, we learned early on that a guy by the name of Theophilus was who wrote, Luke wrote this letter to, right? Um, Theophilus had a perspective that those who were listening to this right then didn't have because he was reading it after the fact, like you and I are reading it after the fact. And what we know as we look back is that Jesus was going to die on the cross, that he was going to be put in the tomb, that he was going to come back to life. And we also know that was God's plan all along. But a good Jew didn't think that. A good Jew thought Jesus was coming, and he was going to wipe out all these Romans, and we're going to be the ones that are in charge. And so Peter was so very confused there. But we know that that was God's plan. And it's almost in a sense like what Jesus is announcing for himself. Okay, again, we're about to read this passage, right? What Jesus is announcing for himself, here's the pathway that I'm going. He says, it's not just for me. This is something for you. He says, if you want to follow me, what? You must, verse 23, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That has to be understood in the context of what Jesus just said about his own death. So deny yourself. Um, that word deny means to uh, disown or to repudiate. And so who is it that we're disowning and we're repudiating here? You can say it. You really can. It's not too hard, right? Ourselves, Right? I mean, what Jesus is saying is you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you say, okay, Doug, this is what you want. And then you say, no way, Doug, you don't get that. I disown you. I, I repudiate you, right? In other words, what Jesus is saying is your needs, your wants, your desires are subordinate to what it is that I want, that I desire in your heart and in your life. And that is not like the message that we get from the world, is it? And again, the message we tend to hear from the world is that you put yourself first. I like how Eugene Peterson in the message says this. He says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Now, that's really hard for those of us who are those type A kind of go-after-it personalities, right? Because we're... We're used to being able to go after stuff and say, this is what I want, this is what I need. I mean, many of you are a part of the business world. You understand that. It's like you don't admit your weaknesses. You like go after it with everything you can. You try to be the best and you do everything you possibly can. You grab hold of that bull by the horns, right? You do whatever it is you're supposed to do. And Jesus says, uh, no, you need to get out of the front seat and you need to get into the back seat. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, get out of the driver's seat. Go ahead, say it to them. You can do it. Get out of the driver's seat. Now, some of you said that with way too much pleasure, okay? I mean, you're just being helpful here to that person. It's like you deny yourself. It's like I'm not in charge anymore. I, I am not supposed to be in the driver's seat. So deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. Now, those people in that day understood what this phrase meant. Because anytime you saw somebody walking down the road and they had a crossbeam on them or something like that, you knew one thing. They were on their way to die. 
That was a part of the Roman custom. It was part of their humiliation. They would not just execute you for being a criminal or doing something wrong. They would force you to walk through the streets carrying some kind of instrument of your death, cross beam, across whatever it is. And when you saw that person, you knew that person is on their way to die. That's exactly what that meant. Take up your cross. They knew exactly what Jesus meant. You know, we hear people say things like, well, you know, my allergy is my cross to bear. You know, my neighbor is my cross to bear. My boss is my cross to bear. My mother-in-law is my cross to bear. Hopefully she's not here with you today. Um, that is not what that means. That's not what Jesus meant, your cross to bear. I mean, Jesus told us he's about to die, and then he's saying, and oh, by the way, if you want to follow me, that's the path you may very well have to take. You know, we tend to wear it as jewelry, right? And that's a good thing. Cross, necklace, you know, we have a cross up here behind us. It's, we, we understand what that means. But if there were people in that century today, they would think it would be so weird because it would be like wearing an electrical chair, electric, you know, some sort of noose around your neck, some sort of syringe, you know, that has cyanide in it. It would be an instrument of death. People in that day would think, that's weird that you do that. Because when Jesus said you take up your cross daily, it, people understood exactly what that meant. It meant that you were going to die. And Luke adds that phrase. I'm not sure if Mark or Matthew put it in there, but Luke adds that phrase daily, take up your cross daily. It's like we tend to forget, right? We tend to have to have something where we remember, okay, it's not about me, right? It's about Jesus and about what Jesus wants to do in my heart and in my life. Deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow me. It's walking a different path. So to follow Jesus means I look up and I'm following this path and there's Jesus ahead of me. I'm going the way Jesus wants me to go. And it's a different path, a different path than you and I might take, right? It's a different route than we, we might possibly think that we should take in our lives. But what it means is I have to give up my old one. To really follow a rabbi in that day, to really go, it means that I let go of the stuff, I don't follow this anymore, but I follow after them. I follow after Jesus. And it's a rough choice, it's a challenging choice. The rich young ruler, um, he was a guy that Jesus met, who came up to Jesus and said, you know, good master, what must I do to get eternal life? I mean, he wanted eternal life. And so Jesus looked at him, and one of the stories says he looked at him with great love, you know. And Jesus finally says to him, well, give up everything you own, sell everything, give it away to the poor, and come follow me. And this guy could not let go of something so significant in his life to follow after Jesus Christ. I mean, there's things in our life that's hard to let go of, aren't there? It's hard to release for Jesus Christ. But this idea of following and this different path means I let go of this path that I have back here, the way I've been doing things, the life I've been living, and I go the way that Jesus wants me to go. I deny myself. I take up my cross daily. I follow him. Because only with Jesus is there real life. 
And Jesus, all throughout Scripture, is shown again and again and again as being the, the way to follow. His life is better and his life is truer. The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative in which every story, every character points beyond itself to one who is greater. The story of Adam and Eve is not just about the first man and woman. There is a true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is ascribed to us. There is a true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. There is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void to create a new people of God. There is a true and better Isaac the son of laughter, of grace, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us all. There is a true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve, so we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. There is a true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them. There is a true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant. There is a true and better rock of Moses who struck with the rod of God's justice now gives us water in the desert. There is a true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his foolish friends. There is a true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. There is a true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. There is a true and better Jonah who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. There is a true and better Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, and the true bread. The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus. I mean, it requires so much trust, this kind of a choice, this decision. It's a hard one, isn't it? And it's such a paradox against what we've been inundated with our whole life. You know, the, the chasing after the American dream. You know, the desire to have a better life and a better home and a family that's happy and peace and enjoyment. You know, it's, it's this chasing after this dream that the reality is it's just, it's a mirage. I mean, it's quicksand and we all get sucked into it thinking, all right, that's the way for us to have real life. That's the way for us to really enjoy the life. And yet Jesus comes along, he says there in verse 24, 
He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And that's the exact opposite, right? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose or forfeit their very soul? I mean, Jesus is calling us to a life that is real life here. But it's so hard to let go of those kind of things that, you know, are so significant and important to us. And the imagery Jesus uses here is kind of business imagery, it's imagery between, um, you know, it's like if you're um, looking at your accounts and you're deciding, so are we profitable or not? So we got the loss column, we got the gain column, we've got our expenses, all of those things on this side, we've got our profits, you know, all the things on this side, and so how do you know you're successful? Well, you're successful when you got more on this side, and Jesus comes along and he messes it up. Because Jesus says, if the loss column is just in the pits, You've won. But if the gain column over here is way up, if you've gained the whole world, he says you have completely lost. You've missed out on what is real life. And there's also this trap of the opinion of other people. Now, I know some people say, well, you know, I, I, I don't get persuaded by what other people think about me or say about me. I mean, if you say that, you're just not being honest with yourself, right? We're all kind of trapped by the opinion of other people. And what does Jesus do, though? He comes along and he says this, verse 26, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. I mean, we all have those people in our life who will scoff at us for following Jesus, who will look at us like, you're crazy. Peter fell for that kind of pressure, right? I mean, he denied Jesus Christ three different times. It's a trap. But into this, Jesus steps in and he declares, you want to follow after me? He said, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So what that means is every single day, right, I get up in the morning and I take my agenda here and I think about all the things that I want to do and things I need to accomplish to make me happy. And what do I do with this particular agenda? I just wad it up, and I throw it in the trash can. So what, what ties are you struggling with to free yourself from? So if you were honest with yourself, what is it right now? And it, I'm not talking necessarily even about bad things, right? But what are the ties in your life, the things that are so important to you that are you're struggling to free yourself from? Is it your rights? And that's a big word today, isn't it? My rights even as a Christian? Is it my needs or my wants, how I spend my money? What I do with my enjoyment, times of pleasure? Is it, you know, my job and the people there? Is it the pressure of other people? What is it that is so hard for me to let go of? I mean, I think we really have to wrestle with that, don't we? What is it that holds on to us? And then we have to remind ourselves, you know what? My needs and wants, they take a backseat to Jesus and what he wants out of me. Don't let them become an idol. I mean, when we can't let go of those and when they tend to get in the way of Jesus or take precedent over Jesus, that, that becomes an idol. 
But let me tell you something else. Every day you'll fail at this. I mean, I'm Peter. Every night I go to bed and I think about my day and I think, you know what? I tried, but man, it just seemed like my agenda just kept getting in the way of Jesus' agenda. And so like Peter, I, you know, I just cry out to God and say, God, I messed up. You know, I tried, I, I need your help, but I just keep letting other things get in the way. And so what do I do? I wake up the next morning and I take out that agenda and I say, here's the things, Doug, you want to do. And then I look in the mirror and say, Doug, you're not in the driver's seat, right? And I wad up my agenda. And what do I do? I just dump it in the trash. And then I say, all right, Jesus, what's on your agenda? What do you want me to do on this particular day? There's so much more to salvation than heaven. I mean, don't get me wrong. Heaven's going to be amazing, so amazing, we can't even understand it. But Jesus didn't save us just so he could take us to heaven. Jesus saved us so that we could have real life to transform us, to help us to become the kind of people that he wants us to become. And for some of us, it takes a lot more work from Jesus than it does for others, right? But it's like that's what he wants to do to help us to find this kind of life that is unbelievable, a life that's real life, not this illusionary life that comes, you know, when we get things all messed up in our world. And so what is a disciple? Jesus teaches us a disciple is somebody that says, my agenda goes into the trash can. And so my prayer for us as a people is that we'll really wrestle with this. And we'll let Jesus work on our hearts and our lives. As difficult and as challenging as that is, because we know where we want to put our trust. We put our trust in Jesus who gave his life for every one of us. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your amazing love. And I pray that we would see the impact of having you as our, as our rabbi, as the Lord and Savior of our life, as the one we follow after completely. God, imagine the impact that you can have in the hearts and lives of every single one of us in this room when we go all in for you. And Lord, every one of us uh, fail and fall short of that, but thank you for your love. And today, Father, we just commit ourselves to you again. In your most precious name we pray, amen.